Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. Uh, and when you do sign up for that, you get a weekly bonus episode that's just a rundown of everything else that I'm watching that week. And also, lately, we've been covering The Mandalorian, so there's extra interviews there where I have a guest every week and we cover each episode. So we're in season two uh, right now. And uh, I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Michael Cross, Philip Barker, and Ricardo Alvarez. Thank you so much uh, for everything that you guys do. Um, and I've got a new guest with me here today. I've got Robert. Say hi, Robert. Hey, how's it going? Hey, <laughs> it's going good. Uh, so Robert, um, you are new to the show. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? All right. Uh, my name is Robert Goodrick. I, uh, I am kind of a geek and, you know, I've been I've known Lisa for a couple years now through some of the uh, costume and cosplay things. Uh, I'm also part of a local circus troupe, trained as a clown and a stilt worker, uh, stilt walker. I have a I have a wife and son, and I love them both dearly. <laughs> <laughs> My guest always picks the movie. Uh, what movie did you want to talk about today? Uh, today we're going to talk about Jim Henson's first movie, The Muppet Movie. Yep, back in 1979. Um, tell me a little bit of your history with this movie. Like, when did you first see it? Okay, I uh, I was two when it came out. Uh, my parents told me that I was at the theater, but I don't really remember much of that. I remember <laughs> mostly watching the Muppet movie and some of the other Muppet movies, Great Muppet Caper, Muppet State Manhattan, and my grandpa's house. Uh, he lived about two blocks away from us, and I would go over there and I wore out all of his VHS tapes of the Muppet movies. So that was kind of where my yeah. first memory was. And then I've gotten to see it in theater multiple times. So it is yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, I'm glad you picked this one because I think now I think it also depends on when you became a Muppet fan. Like earlier this um, last year, actually, we talked about uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol and that was you know, for my cousins that are a little bit younger than me, that was one of the first Muppet movies they mm -hmm. had seen. Um, and then for me, I think it was the great Muppet caper and Muppets take Manhattan era. So this is like, you know, the first one before that. Um, so it kind of depends on where you are in your Muppet journey. I know that I've seen this movie more than once um, because as we were watching it, I quoted lines, but I was surprised by how 
not familiar. It wasn't quite as familiar as The Great Muppet Caper and Muppets Take Manhattan. But I know that I saw it because I knew all the songs like instinctively. Oh, yeah. Like as soon as they start playing, I'm like, oh, I love this one, Rainbow Connection, you know. Oh, yeah. So the music's I know amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was actually texting my dad last night because he's a big Muppet fan. He's kind of who got me into the Muppets. And I was telling him the movie and he kept trying to guess the plot and he kept saying different Muppet movies. And I kept <laughs> having to say, no, I think it's, it's the first one. And so he was like, I need to just go back and watch it. Luckily, all these are on Disney Plus, and you can watch them right now if you have a Disney Plus account. So it's a good time to catch up on the Muppets. Um, before we go too much further, I do want to stress that this is not spoiler free. Um, I don't know how important that is in a Muppet movie, but <laughs> we will be giving spoilers. So if you want to see it first, you can and stop here and come back. But if you're this far, I'm going to read the synopsis really quick. Uh, after Kermit the Frog decides to pursue a movie career, he starts his cross-country trip from Florida to California. Along the way, he meets and befriends Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy, Gonzo, and a rock musician, Dr. Teeth, and the Electric Mayhem. When Kermit is offered a job by Doc Hopper to advertise the fried frog legs at his restaurant chain, Kermit turns Hopper down. However, Hopper refuses to relent and pursues Kermit and his companions till a final showdown. An epic first Muppet movie plot. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, like I said, when I was watching it again, I was like, ah, oh, I was thinking about all the moments that were like about to happen with the frog legs and the kind of Colonel Sanders looking guy. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, Charles, weird. Charles Durning did an amazing job as the antagonist in this as uh, Doc Hopper. Yeah, he really did. And his sidekick, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Austin, Austin like Pendleton is a funny guy. And it's funny how the relationship between the two where, you know, Max is just desperately trying to make Doc Hopter happy, you know, and all of a sudden he has this change of heart halfway through and goes, wait, we're not we're not right with this, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's like, wait, frogs have feelings. This isn't cool. <laughs> um, it definitely, as a kid, made me really just disgusted by the idea of frog legs. <laughs> I was well, like, that's Kermit. Maybe it, it came from this movie specifically. It's funny because like for me, it was, you know, K Kermit was offered something, you know, Doc Hopper offered him something, but it was something lesser than his actual dream, you know? And he's like, you know, I could do this, but I've got this dream that's so much bigger than what you're asking me. You know, and that's kind of driven like that. That was kind of ingrained in me at a young age. You know, don't don't worry about the lesser things, but really try and pursue those things that you really dream about. So. Right. I think, you know, uh, he was offered surface level fame, but fame wasn't even something that Kermit was that interested in. It's true. He was he was interested in, you know, making when he talks to Dom DeLuise in the film, Dom DeLuise says something like, you know, you'll make a lot of people happy. Like he says fame. And then he says, secondarily, you'll make people happy. You'll, you know, you'll put smiles on people's faces, uh, something like that. And Kermit is, that's what lights him up. He's like, Oh, that's, that's what I want to do. That's, that's my purpose. So yeah, it's like the, the, you know, frog legs campaign is sort of a selling your soul to Hollywood and literally like selling out. And so that's, that's just not what, Kermie's about. So I, I like that part of the movie too. Um, yeah. I wanted to read off a couple of quick facts that I wrote down. Um, and some of these are ones that I'd kind of 
heard in the past um, and just thought that they were interesting. Uh, number one, Jim Henson spent an entire day in a 50-gallon steel drum submerged in a pond for the opening <laughs> sequence of the frog in the swamp. I mean, yeah. you, you have to think about, you know, they're puppeteers, and it's like, man, this is a true labor of love for them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just not so fun. Well, and originally it was supposed to be Kermit on a lily pad, you know, that traditional frog on a lily pad, and then they realized, oh, well, yeah. if we put him on a log – then Jim will have a little bit more room to uh, breathe and move around and things. So, Right. And the audience isn't going to question that. I wasn't like, hey, he should be on a lily pad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it kind of made sense. Um, the illusion of Fozzie driving the Studebaker was achieved by having a little person drive the car via remote control from the trunk, using a television monitor to guide his steering. Uh, the puppeteers would lie on the seat floor and not see a thing. The first time they tested it, uh, the television monitor went on the blank and the driver had to be talked through the scene by an assistant director on a walkie-talkie, like, you know, giving them direction, like little to the left, little to the right. Yeah. Um, something I hadn't thought of. I think I used to like think that maybe there was someone in the Fozzie Bear costume for those scenes, but I love that they stuck with like, no, this is like staying a puppet the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny because in the Studebaker, they have uh, that traditional like, what's called a nose bullet. And that's where they actually had the camera was way up at the front of the car. So whenever, whenever they're filming, like they could have a camera basically mounted on the front of the car to see, you know, for the driver and the trunk to see. So yeah, they, yeah. the practical effects in this movie were ama- like cutting edge things, you know? Yeah. I, I was thinking about what, that watching it last night that, you know, they did so much with puppets, which is not something, it's not like there's like a huge field of people doing things with puppets, but in a way that's kind of unfortunate because they come up with so many creative things in this movie. Oh, yeah. They're so difficult to do. Um, you know, Jim Henson was determined to use the larger budget of a feature film, you know, to push the techn- technological limits. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of puppetry and one of the most difficult feats and this is one that i've heard all my life <laughs> was the uh you know kermit riding a bicycle which they up the ante oh yeah the next room where everyone's on a bicycle but it's they said it was like so difficult they like don't want to talk about it <laughs> and it remained a secret for a long time because it you know it just looks so impressive um and it's, it's difficult to do but yeah. i love those scenes <laughs> originally originally they had uh the bike on remote control and they could drive the bike on remote control, but whenever they added Kermit, they couldn't get it to like they couldn't get the balance right, and so they ended mm-hmm. up doing monofilament off of a crane, and that's how they uh, how they actually achieved that. But yeah, then they could go on to uh, Muppets Take Manhattan with you know all the bikes and you know moving in circles because in in this movie he moves in a straight line, and so the crane just kind of moves him down the way, but they're actually doing circles and things like that in uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. So, Yeah, it's like unbelievable and looks really complicated. Um, and yeah, I, I just like those scenes and so I always think of that. I always t- used to tell people about that particular scene um, in Muppets Take Manhattan. So wanted to include it here since this was the first time. Um, this movie was directed by James Frawley. I think that Henson wanted to direct it himself, but I guess they ultimately decided to have a director also yeah because it's again the first fe- feature-length film and so jim was like well 
I know I know how to do a show. I know how to do you know short scenes, but let's have so I need another set of eyes since this is such a big endeavor and there's so many more moving parts. Right, because it's a technological undertaking with the puppetry in and of itself. But then to add on that applaud and you know pacing and everything else, yeah, probably a good call. Um, so, you know, the next part that I want to talk about a little bit, well, first of all, I want to say there's like a thousand amazing cameos I forgot about. <laughs> Probably because I was a child and didn't realize who these people were. Oh, yeah. And I want to get to them. But I think probably the best way to is if we talk about some of your favorite scenes, because I guarantee you they'll be in some of those. Oh, yeah. So go ahead and, you know, kind of start us off. What, what are some of your favorite scenes from the movie? Uh, I think my favorite like hands down my favorite scene is the El Slizo whenever he first first meets Fozzie, you know, James, the first thing James Coburn comes flying out of the door and uh, he says, this is the roughest, you know, roughest place, you know, whatever. And they're like, have you talked to the owner? And he's like, I am the owner, you know, and that kind of sets the scene for, you know, it sets the scene for, okay, we're about to walk into this place and, you know, it may it may be a little rough, but then you walk in and it's it's all the stereotypical ruffians that you've ever thought about, you know, and you have, you know, like Madeline Kahn hits on Kermit, you know, Tilly, yeah. uh, Tilly, <laughs> Tilly turns and goes, hey, are you hitting on my lady? You know, and then they may and throughout the scene, there's puns. You know, Paul Williams is playing piano. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a beautiful, I, I, I feel like that scene in particular is just magic. <laughs> I agree. I think that in a lot of kids' movies and, um, you know, they, they try to have some really cool cameos, but there's just like a extra layer. And I think in the Muppet movies, it's kind of the same vibe i think from like the looney tunes film uh looney tunes cartoons and films in that it's like genuinely funny it's not funny like and then like giving you like one little cameo oh these are for the parents like the lines in the movie are actually funny they let like the comedians and stars that they invite on bring their actual humor to the screen and i think it i think it shows and there's always been that third wall in these Muppet movies too of like being aware of Hollywood and like being famous and like yeah, I don't yeah. know there's something to all that we don't get as much in like newer kids projects that I guess just because I was raised with it that's kind of my favorite you, you know? know and then there's like you know Carol Kane with the running joke of myth myth yes you know or like <laughs> the Harry Krishna jokes or the you know just kind of the this humor that kind of runs throughout you know, little things that call back to earlier in the movie. So. Yeah, for sure. And it's like current pop culture stuff too. Um, And I like the newer Muppet films. I just think that these, I mean, they were just like, it was amazing the people that they could get and like the stuff that they could get away with uh, saying. And I don't know, it's just special. My favorite movies were those that did that. Oh yeah. Um, What's another scene that you really liked? Um. The uh, the beauty pageant scene, I thought it was really funny that they used Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy as the judges because you're looking at a different type of puppetry, actually. You're looking at ventriloquism where Edgar is talking to Charlie and, you know, Charlie is a ventriloquist dummy that's sitting there on his lap. And yet it still 
fit in this world, fit in, you know, fit into mm-hmm. the way the movie flowed, you know, and again, you have, you know, Bob Hope, Richard Pryor, you know, some other big name people showing up, you know, in that scene. And the, the, how can I say this? The, the, uh, the beauty of language, language where Kermit says something and Piggy hears something else and makes this decision to drop everything and follow him, even though that's <laughs> yeah. not what he meant, you know? And, and yeah, that definitely sums up their relationship too in all the movies where it's like Kermit's interested, but I mean, it's almost like Mrs. Piggy's in another relationship in every movie. Like she's 10 times more in love and convinced that they're meant to be together. And that's kind of a through line through all the films. Well, and it's funny because she clings to him, she clings to him, but then like, oh, the agent calls. Oh, gotta go. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. she she has this trouble balancing, you know, her desire for Kermit versus her desire for fame. When ultimately, if she just followed him, she could be famous. <laughs> yeah, and she will be. Um, yeah, I like that scene too. I think for me, one of my favorite ones is when they're in the restaurant on that date. <laughs> uh, <laughs> With Steve Martin as the uh, waiter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, especially watching that scene now, I was like, oh my gosh, I must have not watched this movie since I was really little because I didn't realize he was in this. And um, the whole bit is very funny to begin with, but I just, I also like how you know he pours the champagne for them well he acts like it's really fancy but then it's just like a little pop top oh yeah yeah. and then pours them some and then he's like uh do you want to try it sir and he says well why don't you try (laughs) i don't know just all of that is really fun they're very it's a very cute scene yeah it's hard for me not to mention scenes like what are my favorite cameos like that's specifically what i think of like i like the part that mel brooks is in too oh yeah i mean and i mean it's it kind of set the stage as far as muppet movies go where you know all of a sudden in great muppet caper in muppet Sag manhattan you have cameos you have puns you have the breaking of the fourth wall you know, like in in this movie, you know, whenever they first meet uh, Dr. Teeth in the Electric Mayhem, they say, you know, you, oh, you can't tell the whole story. And they're like, oh, well, why don't you read the screenplay? That kind of fourth wall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where, you know, but, uh, as a as a clown performer, that's my bread and butter where I discover something and then I share it with the audience you know, through that fourth wall stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is, this fits right. Like I I never realized how seminal this movie was for me as far as like my humor, my performing style, things like that. Like both this movie and all the Muppet show and, you know, just the Muppets all around. Yeah. I think that that fourth wall stuff that you're talking about, the emphasis on comedy is like, but I don't want to say real, I'm not trying to be like elitist, real comedy, but you know, comedians like Mel Brooks Um, and that kind of connection that's also in Looney Tunes where they always, you know, there was a lot of fourth wall breaking there too. And they made a lot of current jokes. And I was always drawn to that over some of the other stuff, like over Hanna-Barbera or like, uh, you know, other things that didn't have that element to them. So totally agree. I think that definitely shaped maybe my humor in general 
and it came from the Muppets. And I guess I didn't never thought about it that way. <laughs> Muppets, Looney Tunes, um, animating acts, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's it's I don't know, it's it's really special. And I wonder, well, so I was gonna ask you this, um, in terms of this movie, did they does the Muppet show come before or after this movie uh the muppet show was started in 77 i believe and so uh and it's funny because first season you had like uh paul williams was a guest in the first season you know who uh, okay. who because uh paul williams you know he's playing the piano at el Ciso, but he wrote he and um uh kenny asher wrote all of the music for this Oh, okay. I didn't yeah, know that. and like so, uh, Paul Williams, you know, amazing songwriter has been. You know, tons of people have played his music before, and you know, close personal friend with Jim, and Jim was like, "I need you to write this song." You know, Rainbow Connection. This is like going to be the song, basically, that people you know love, and Paul like hit it out of the park. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I get misty-eyed when I hear that song. I, I, <laughs> to this I, day. I only say that because we used it as a waltz for our wedding. Oh, that's so nice. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah, at the beginning, I mean, that's go. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. At the beginning, you asked me, you know, like where this has popped up in in my life. You know, the the waltz at the wedding, but also my birthday cake for my fortieth birthday was animal popping out of the top of the saloon like that was the cake oh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah i man and and you're right about the music like there's so many good songs to the point where like i said before i remembered the songs more than the movie and that's not like saying taking anything away from the movie i saw the movie when i was really little but the songs have stuck with me since then and you hear them again like they've come up again in pop culture specifically rainbow connection um yeah and yeah it's just oh, it's just so well done yeah, yeah. I, was, I was wondering about their connection with the show just because you know i mean they're they're sort of pitching this movie as like this is how they got together so i was like you know was this before or after but that makes sense it's after the show had been like established enough to where they get the budget to make a movie yeah um and they probably had no idea how many movies they were going to make um one quick thing I wanted to mention too is in the episode that we did on the Muppets Christmas Carol, uh, my cousin Kurt mentioned that that was like the first one that didn't have a Sesame Street uh, cameo. And, you know, this one has Big Bird in it. And I hadn't thought of it that way, but it's like, yeah, they always threw them in. I don't know if that's because, you know, I always got the impression with the Muppets that like Sesame Street was kind of like, you know, what started him off, how he got famous. And then the Muppets vibe is kind of more him and like what he wanted to do. And so, but studios maybe always want them to throw the Sesame Street back in there because people like Sesame Street so much. Well, and uh, diverging from the movie, Sesame Street, like, is even bigger than the Muppets itself. I mean, Sesame street is viewed around the world. Uh, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of one of those things where Jim was like, we need education. How can we, you know, educate kids? How can I help? You know? And uh, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, 
moving from Sesame Street into the Muppet Show itself, the Muppet Show was primetime television. So it wasn't even necessarily yeah. meant to be a kid's show because there was definitely content in it that was not, you know, wasn't wasn't necessarily kid appropriate. I mean, it flew over our heads back when we were kids, but, you know, <laughs> it was it was meant to be a a variety show for adults done with Muppets, you know. Right. And I felt like there was always a push for that. You know, like we did an episode on Dark Crystal, too. And that mm. kind of came up again of like, you know, Jim Henson really wanting to go in like a more serious direction with puppets. Not that he didn't like Sesame Street or the Muppets, but that, you know, there was more that could be done. It didn't always have to be the main focus. And, mm. you know, on children's programming, there's yeah. obviously nothing wrong with children's programming. It's great. But he just wanted to do more stuff. He's an artist. Um, yeah, Muppets aren't like, just for kids. Yeah, it's kind of like, how I feel about animation. I'm like, animation isn't only one thing. It's many things. So I just like his philosophy because you could apply that to puppets. And I agree. I like all the different projects that they've done with them. Um, yeah. So, you know, we haven't talked yet about uh, the electric mayhem a whole lot. We touched on that. Oh. But it's interesting to go back and watch this. You know, this came out in 1979. And that was another really cool thing about Sesame street and the Muppets is they're very like of the time that they came about in. So like, it's very hippies, very seventies. And that's cool. Cause you know, again, artists made these puppets and they're kind of imbuing their own vibe. And also I just think the electric mayhem's costumes on the puppets is like, they're like so cool. Like I love Dr. Oh, yeah. Teeth in particular. Well, I love Dr. Teeth, but what's really funny is you have Floyd who is actually named Floyd Pepper. And his costume is an homage to the Beatles, Sergeant right. Pepper. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And I love like their voices too, you know, like oh, yeah. uh, Floyd and uh, what's the name of the, the girl? Uh, Janice. Janice. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> name, you know, sort of Janice Joplin-ish. Uh, and Zoot. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? Zeus? Zeus, the sax player who's just kind of kind of out there. And then, of course, Animal. Yes, Can't animal. forget Animal. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Animal when I was a little kid. Well, um, and it's it's funny because Animal is one of the – like, he's in the band. He's in Electric Mayhem, but kind of throughout the movies and throughout the show, he's one of – he's like the band member that – gets to be one of the regular characters as well. Yes, that's true. Even though he just yells things. <laughs> <laughs> he becomes very important as the franchise goes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I like that. I love the the van that they, you know, drive in. And oh, yeah. And that a lot in the movies as well. But I don't know. I just really have always enjoyed the band and, like, their design. And so that's I love the. In that scene, I think it's funny. They're like, well, let's let's camouflage the car. And <laughs> it's not that they paint it one solid color so it doesn't look like this Studebaker. They go all out and just go insane with colors and rainbows and swirls and, you know, and it's so it's so bizarre. And yet they they accept it. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, this works, you know, <laughs> 
they're immediately spotted the second they start driving it. Right, <laughs> right. But but along with that, they pull in front of a uh, sign and oh, they're camouflaged in front of this specific spot. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I think it's in another part of the film, but I always, as a kid, greatly enjoyed the fork in the road joke too. Oh yeah. There's a fork uh, in the road. Although I don't think I knew what a fork in the road was. I just liked seeing a giant fork. So yeah. Well, and it's funny because uh, throughout the movie, there's puns, you know, here and there. Like at one point they're driving and Kermit's looking at the map. He's like, uh, bear left. And Fozzie goes, frog right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <that's right. laughs> oh, Fozzie. Oh, Fozzie. <laughs> I love, I've always loved his like failed comedy stand up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's another thing that's like borderline adult concept for children to understand like a failed comedian like how many comedians are they watching like but i love that about him um oh and we haven't talked about gonzo yet oh gonzo the great the the, <laughs> the plumber great. who's going to go to india to be famous you know yeah, and i think it's funny because he's like oh i'm gonna go to india to be famous and they're like well why wouldn't you go to Hollywood? He's like, well, if you want to do it the easy way, like Hollywood's <laughs> easy, you know? Right. <laughs> he could go be a star in Bollywood. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's options. Yeah. But I, I like, uh, I've always liked Gonzo's obsession with what's his chicken's name. Camilla. Camilla. That's right. Yeah. He always has Camilla, even in Muppet babies. Um, <laughs> I was saying last night on Twitter that growing up, he was one of my favorite characters, but I was always like aware of how weird everyone keeps saying he is in the movies and the cartoons. And so I was always like, I really like this character and I feel like I identify with him, but everyone says he's a weirdo. Like, what does that say about me? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I thought about it way too hard as a kid. I uh, actually did a costume a few years ago where I did a mashup of Gonzo and Han Solo, a Gon Solo if you will. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Gonzo, Gonzo definitely, I, I identify with him. Well, I mean, I identify with all of the Muppets in different ways, but yeah, Gonzo's got this special spot where it's like, okay, everybody, you know, thinks he's a little different, but aren't we all a little different, you know? Right. He's always part of the team and they accept him. I think for me, I was saying last night that my two favorites have always been Gonzo and Kermit. They're like two halves for me of like, <laughs> I guess how I view myself if I had to put myself in the Muppet universe. Um, because Kermit, he's like a really different kind of uh, protagonist where he's the main character, but he doesn't emphasize himself at all. He's kind of, he always makes sure that he's taking care of like everybody else in the little group first. Yeah. And he mentions that even in this film and, I, I don't know. That's what I've always liked about the Muppets too, is like they're a little team and they don't all, they're not even similar. They're all really different, but somehow they all cohesively go together. Right. I love his line where, you know, they're, they're in the desert, there's the fire and he kind of steps away for a moment and he says, I didn't promise anybody anything. And then he thinks about it. He's like, you know, I did promise myself. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> and it, it, it's one of those things where for me, you know, in my life, I, I, I feel that cause I don't, I don't necessarily make a lot of promises to people about things, but then I think, well, you know, what did, what did I promise for me? You know, what dream am I putting aside for now? What, you know, what do mm -hmm. I need to re-examine in me? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, they, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on like working together, lifting everybody else up and, 
Um, I like that in all these Muppet films. <laughs> like as fun and silly as they are, they always have like a, a pretty good message. Yeah. Um, what other scenes have we not talked about yet that you wanted to cover? Um, man, there's, I mean, I know there's so many. I mean, sweet, like, minor, so it's sweet, kind of hard. Sweetums showing up, and you know, uh, oh, I love Sweetums. I feel uh, like that's a character you don't see a lot anymore. Yeah, when when Milton Burl's like, oh, this is my Jack, and they're like, hey, Jack, he's like, Jack, not name, Jack Job. You know, and and then like they take off and he's trying to follow them throughout the movie (laughs) and finally bursts through at the end. And it's like, okay, he's finally here. Uh, But uh, I mean, there's so many scenes that I'm just like little things here and there, you know, the song between Kermit and Rolf, you know, uh, it's funny because that one. It was one of those things where when I was a kid, I didn't really get it. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't always understand. And then all of a sudden, as an adult, you know, I've watched it and I'm like, wow. You know, and they, uh, you know, I'll wait until something better comes along. And yeah, they're talking about girls, but it's almost this theme throughout the movie where Kermit was offered something at the beginning, but he's got a bigger dream. You know, oh, I didn't make promises to anybody but I did promise myself, oh, we'll wait till something better comes along. You know, it's, it's, you know, and then at the end, whenever, you know, the last, one of some of the last lines is, you know, life's like a movie, write your own e- ending, keep believing, keep pretending, you know, hmm. we've done just yeah. what we've set out to do, you know, and it's this, this lovely theme of, you know, if, if, if you follow your dreams, you can achieve them kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't thought of it that way, <laughs> but that is very true. Um, I also, I don't know if we've talked about the standoff yet, but I enjoyed Oh, between, that. Uh, between Snake and Kermit in the, yeah. uh, and then Animal bursting out of the uh, top of the saloon. <laughs> yeah, I also like that um, the bad guy is like, I hired a like frog killing expert or whatever. Yeah, like, a frog killer, yeah. It's like how obscure and dumb that is, but it definitely sounds a lot like a plot in some of those movies where they, you know, hire the expert or whatever and have them come out. So, well, and the interesting thing about, uh, about snake in that is that he looks so different from all the other humans, you know, like his gun is a, (laughs) what looks like a spear gun, but it shoots like giant forks, you know, right. (laughs) <laughs> kind of like just so different. So obviously this guy is the expert, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> forks are the natural enemy of frogs, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, um, man. Yeah, I know what you mean about there's so many. It's hard to pick one scene because a lot of them are like bits that are set up and then they're over. They're not like, it's not like a typical movie where, you know, there's definitely a through line and a plot, but it's like there's all these tiny little moments. Yeah, yeah. Don't through every single moment (laughs) we'd be here all day but um, yeah i know we mentioned dom de louise uh at the beginning but i wanted to mention him one more time just because we just did all dogs go to heaven and he was oh well there you go (laughs) it's itchy so i don't think kids nowadays would have any idea who that is no but you know there was a time when those Don Bluth films were really big and Don DeLuise was in all of them so yeah uh can't i don't know if you ever saw cannonball run 
Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds. Uh, it was a big, oh, it was a race movie, uh, like a cross country race movie. Oh. Go ahead and look into yeah. those. Those were uh, that 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 was like when I think Dom DeLuise, that's where I am because he, uh, like in the movies, he's like this kind of normal guy, but then he has like this almost superhero alter ego as well. So that is just really funny. Okay, I need to check that out. I feel like that's like maybe just right before my time. Oh yeah, I have it. But yeah, it's like, and whenever we talk about movies like this, I think about that. I'm like, oh man, like you know, your son probably has seen all these Muppet movies, right? Because oh yeah, yeah. So he has that benefit <laughs> of being raised by someone who's a big Muppet fan. But I wonder, like, how much in the collective kids' pop culture consciousness are the Muppets anymore? You know, well, so I mean, with with the research, you know, when Jason Siegel, you know, did Disney's yeah. The Muppets, you know, and then uh, Muppets Most Wanted, you know, it's 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 come back, you know, it's it's come back into uh, into the cultural norm. And uh, Disney Plus actually has a new uh, a new Muppet television show that they're working on. That's kind of oh, a good. it's funny because it's like watching a zoom call among all the Muppets. Really? Okay. I remember when they tried to like relaunch Muppets tonight Yeah, and it didn't really take off, which made me so sad. Cause I loved, I used to watch on like the Disney channel, I think is where they showed it, uh, the, like older episodes of the older show. And so I was kind of hoping that would come back the same way. And it didn't, it might just be that that was like a moment and TVs just progressed to a point where, you can't really do that anymore, but a Zoom call, I mean, that's pretty current. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I'll have to check that out. Um, all right. Well, are we missing anything else that you wanted to cover? I want to I, I want to talk a little bit like outside of the movie, like um, sure. like the uh, the art of the poster. Uh, yeah. The art of the poster was done by Drew Struzan, uh, which you know he's. He he's done poster art for forever. It seems like in Hollywood, and his 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 art uh, is is such that he really captures characters. And it's funny because he's the only one that's done movie posters for the Muppets. Oh really? That that's was that was one thing that Jim Jim said, you know, whenever he chose Drew Struson, you know, whenever Drew brought the art, he goes, Wow, you have you have captured these characters so well. You're the only one I ever want to do these posters. He treats them like they're people, you know, like the way that they're posed and oh, yeah. the way they're emoting. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's like they're puppets, so they can only emote as much as their face can change. But he doesn't change it more than they do, I think. Maybe that's part of what he was talking about. Yeah. Like keeping them puppets, but giving them life at the same time, you know? Right. They're, I'm sure it's really hard to do in a drawing. <laughs> so I think, and it, 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 it's funny in the poster, because, I mean, there's the homage in the film, but in the poster, there's like this gone with the wind thing between Kermit and Piggy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And it's like, okay, and, and it's almost this callback to old Hollywood and, you know, very much that feeling of just those drawn posters that are just so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. 
because you know nowadays it's all photos and editing and things like that, which is great too. But you know the, the those hand drawn art is, like I said, just just beautiful. Yeah, it's nostalgic, and it's how all movie posters were at one time. So it's like really yeah, fun yeah. to see that. And there's a lot of attention to detail. It's treated like a real movie, which it is, but it's treated seriously, I guess, in that in that poster. So I like that a lot too. Um, yeah, I know it's like hard to. I'm always afraid that I'm going to end the recording and then like later in the middle of the night, I'm like, oh no, I forgot this, this, and this. <laughs> this happened. <laughs> but that that's fine. why I want to give you the opportunity just in case I forget anything. Okay, let's um, see. We talked about the car. Yeah. We talked about the bike. We talked about the poster. Uh, I mean, it's not a super long movie and that's another thing too. It's like- Yeah, it's like 90 minutes, like hour yeah, and a half. You can only talk about it for so long and then you're like, oh, it's over. <laughs> we talked about all of it. So no shame there. Um Let's see. Yeah, no, I think is well. Let me ask you this. So this one's your favorite one, you said, right? Out of all the Muppet movies, I I go back and forth between this one and Muppets Take Manhattan. Like yeah, that's a good those. those I, I kind of oscillate between those two, and I've easily seen both of them a hundred times. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, same. I remember, especially as a kid. Like I said before, I I watched the Great Muppet Caper. And then Muppets Take Manhattan, so much so that they've kind of turned into one movie in my mind. Like gotcha. when I try to remember what happened in one movie, I have this problem with Indiana Jones too, but th- these movies as well, where I'm like saying a scene, but that was in the other one. They're both just like really good films. And so those are probably my two favorites, with, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol being like probably the third mm. favorite. But it's difficult because they're all good. I mean, none of them are like terrible. So, I enjoy all of them, but yeah, I was wondering which one was your favorite. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think we talked about the show. We talked about. Oh, 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 oh! Uh, Cloris Leachman and Orson Welles. Uh, uh, Orson Welles plays Lou Lord, who is like the big movie producer that they're going to see. Oh, but right. before they even get in the door, they meet Cloris Leachman, who's his uh, assistant, and. They, they they sneak in by her because of her pet her animal allergy, oh, yeah. and it's like okay this is ridiculous and she just opens the door, but and you go from this super funny moment at that and then like they walk in and there's Orson Welles behind the desk and he turns around <laughs> and you're just like oh oh now we're serious. You know, and it's just this interesting contrast between just those two interactions. And you you almost you almost expect like, why are you here? What do, what have you cut? But instead, you know, it's oh, you're, you were looking for, you know, you were looking for performers for frogs for, you know, whatever. And then uh, arrange the rich and famous contract. You know, it's like. It wasn't even a discussion. You know? yeah, it's, like, it's much like the ad in the beginning of the movie that Dom DeLuise shows him where he's like, look. And it's like he reads the ad and it's like, frogs that want to be famous and can dance you know, and sing should come here. It's like very direct. And, and <laughs> it's funny because, you know, along with this theme, theme that I've been talking about this whole time, they could have walked in there. You know, he could have turned around. They could have gotten intimidated and went like, mm, never mind. But 
they took the step to say, mm-hmm. this is why we're here, you know, and if they yeah. hadn't, you know, it, it, as we say in improv, if they hadn't said yes, there wouldn't have been that next, you know, they wouldn't have succeeded. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and plus, it's just awesome that it's oh, yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, both those people are, you know, awesome. And it, it's crazy that they can get them in this movie. <laughs> it just goes to show like how popular the Muppets were at the time. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that brings me to my last couple of questions for you. Um, why, you know, what is it about this movie that you love so much? I know we've been talking about that, but if you had to summarize, why do you like this movie so much in particular and why have you seen it so many times? Uh, again, it takes me back to my childhood, you know, sitting sitting with my grandpa and watching these movies. Uh, you know, again, it... it it's a lot about, you know, that form of humor that I really, really enjoy, you know. And um, like I said, that or- overarching theme of just following your dreams. Yeah, I think, yeah, everything you said is great. I really enjoyed this one because I love the Muppets. <laughs> and um, I also like their brand of humor. I like that it's it can be you know, really over the top at times, but there's also a lot of dry humor and dry humor is something that I like a lot. They're just good lines. I mean, good one-liners that all the characters have and great puns. Um, And it's nostalgic. It's also grew up watching these films and I love that they never lost that kind of seventies vibe, no matter how many times they get updated, you know, they update the characters, but they keep that, that look and that vibe that is so Jim Henson. Oh yeah. Um, and I really appreciate that about it. Um, if you had to pitch this movie to someone, like let's pretend you run into someone and they've never seen the Muppets, and uh, how would you how would you pitch this movie to them? Ooh, um, <laughs> hmm. You're like this is a strange alternate universe where they've somehow never heard of them. Well, and it, it's funny. It's funny because as far as strange alternate universes, you're also pitching a strange alternate universe where you have to have a suspension of reality where, you know, well, you have talking frogs and bears and dogs and things like that. And if I were to pitch it, It's, it's weird because, you you know, that's another unique thing about these movies is they exist, they coexist with, like, the real world simultaneously. There's not really, like, a line. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't really talk about that. You know, there's not, like, a, you know, 200 years ago, Muppets, this and this happened, and that's how they became part of our reality. It's like, no, they've yeah. always been part of our reality in these movies. That's yeah. true. <laughs> well, and it's funny because they don't even, like, there's one time in Muppet history that they have acknowledged that there's something else going on. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they did a tribute special right after Jim died. And it was the Muppets, you know, like I said, tribute to Jim Henson. And they're like, who's Jim Henson? Who's Jim Henson? And at one point they go, Oh wait, I think I remember him. He's that guy that walks around down there sometimes. 
you know, and it's this, this, just that one moment where they acknowledge there's something else going on, but we owe everything (laughs) to that, you know? Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I mean, I would say, you know, that this Muppet movie is, um, the Muppets are puppets for sure. And they're kind of directed at kids, but there's enough humor and there's enough, uh, there's enough there for like adults to watch them too. And it's just a really fun, like nostalgic ride. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, okay. I've, I've got, I've got my pitch. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I've got my pitch. Uh, if you're willing to go on a ride and, you know, use your imagination a little bit, then you're going to have a good time. Yep, totally agree. And as I said before, you can watch all of them right now on Disney Plus, so <laughs> you don't have an excuse. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much, Robert, for coming on and talking about this. I think you need to think of some other movies in the future. movies. They don't have to be, but you definitely should come back. Okay. Yeah, have a good one. You too.